Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Hallelujah. Come on, stand all across this place once again. I know you just sat down, but we believe in Holy Ghost calisthenics. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Oh, oh, yes, Holy Spirit. Shh, come on, just, <laughs> just lift your voice. Just open your mouth. Mm. He's worthy, church. Oh, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. As you're turning again, let me welcome you tonight to our Friday night revival service. Uh, this is going to be an ongoing thing that we're going to be doing uh, right now. They're currently planned for uh, every other week, uh, but that could change uh, because of you and your hunger and the desire of the Holy Spirit. Because I can tell you, I can guarantee you that when people gather together in the name of Jesus, he promises to be there in our midst. And when hungry people gather together in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, has he, he has a party because he likes to meet with hungry people. He likes to bring the power and the presence from heaven into people's lives when they gather in his name. Amen? So we're so glad to see. I'm so thankful to Pastor Daniel for giving me the privilege to bring the word tonight. I got a word for you. Uh, we're going to read a, 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 it's 15 verses, but the word of God is powerful. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 15, reading from the New King James Version. And it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elisha, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from you, from over you today? And he said, yes, I know. Keep silent. Verse four, then Elijah said to him, Elisha. Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? So he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah, verse 6, said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Verse 7, and 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up and struck the water and it was divided this way and that so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Verse 10, so he said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be for, so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Verse 11, then it happened as they continued and talked. Then suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. 
And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, verse 12. And Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. And so he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word tonight. Touch our hearts, open our ears, the ears of our spirit and our understanding to hear what you have to say in your great name. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Recently, I brought a message to you uh, about the prophet Elijah and how God instructed him to go there. If you remember that message, because God had said to Elijah, for it is there that I have provision and blessing for you. Remember to some of you, you discovered that night that God was saying, what are you doing here when I have things waiting for you there? I'm not going to re-preach that message tonight. Some of you are like, thank you. I couldn't keep up. However, I'm pointing out that we're going to talk about another event that happened in the life of Elijah because there's a lot of things that the Holy Spirit would have us learn from the life of this great prophet. Also, Pastor Daniel preached on Wednesday a message entitled, The Fight for Fullness, taking his text from Jude, verse 3. How many of you were here Wednesday? Those of you who are online, hopefully you uh, heard that powerful message. And if you haven't, go back. It's on YouTube already. Go back and listen to it, a powerful word. But Jude, verse 3, talks about the fight for God's power. Writing, Jude says, that you earnestly contend or fight for the faith that was delivered to you. Amen? Now, tonight I want to deliver a message to you that continues along that theme, a message entitled, The Pursuit of the Promise. So Wednesday night, Pastor Daniel preached on the fight for fullness. Tonight, I'm preaching on the pursuit of the promise. I want to refer back to that passage in Jude, that phrase, that was delivered to you. Have you ever thought about what has been delivered to you and I? I mean, think about that for a moment. Life eternal life, salvation by the shed blood of Jesus. That's been delivered to you and I, amen? But what else has been delivered to you and I? Well, not only eternal life, but if you understand what John 10, 10 says, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have life more abundantly. So Jesus came to deliver us an abundant life here. How about peace? Psalm 34, 14 says, seek peace and pursue it. So peace has been delivered to us. Faith, yes. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, God has given to everyone a measure of faith. So faith has been delivered to us. And joy. My wife preached an amazing message to the Senior Saints Luncheon uh, the other day on joy and how joy is our birthright as Christians. It's our birthright. Nobody can take it away. Because we've been born again, because we've been saved, because we've been delivered from sin, we've got joy that the world doesn't understand. And you know what? The world didn't give us that joy, and they can't take it away from us. Because the joy of the Lord has been delivered to us. In fact, Romans 14, 17 says, we have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So there's some things that have been delivered to us, all of these and 
and so much more. And maybe it's even better to say they're available to us. They've been delivered to us, but they're available to us. But I'm here to tell you and deliver a message to you loud and long tonight that just because it's available, just because it's a delivered promise, doesn't mean that we're living on easy street. And all we got to do is sit back and say, Lord, would you deliver that to me one more time? It's kind of like, you know, the Pizza Hut commercial where you call and you dial and all of a sudden the Pizza Hut guy is at your front door. Many times we as the church say, Well, God, you've already delivered stuff to us, so I'll just sit back and enjoy it and wait for you to deliver it again. And I'm here to tell you, just because it's been delivered, just because it's available to us, it doesn't mean we're going to just sit back and wait for more to come. Can I tell you, living your best life possible, according to the Bible, is a lifelong pursuit of him, a lifelong pursuit of his presence, a lifelong pursuit of his holiness, and a lifelong pursuit of his promises. Say that, the pursuit of the promise. Let me explain what I'm talking about. See, we do have abundant life delivered to us. John chapter 10, verse 10 tells us that. But what does John chapter 10, verse 9 say? It says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, that you might have life and have life more abundantly. Can I tell you tonight, church, if we aren't pursuing the one who delivered us the abundant life, then we're easy targets for the thief. In fact, you ought to write that down. Just because the abundant life has been delivered to us, there's a thief out there who's trying everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy. So we have to make the determination to pursue that abundant life by pursuing him and his presence. And if we don't, we're easy target. For the thief. What about peace? Psalm 34, 14 says, seek peace and pursue it. But guess what it says before we can pursue that peace that's been delivered to us? The first part of the verse says, depart from evil and do good. If we're going to pursue peace, if we're going to pursue that peace that's been delivered to us, Can I tell you, there is no peace in our lives when we hang out in evil places, when we're doing evil activities, when we're condoning evil to take place around us. Because the Bible tells us that we are supposed to do good and depart from evil and then seek peace and pursue it. And, of course, faith. Now, this is all my introduction, so I hope you all are ready for tonight. All right? Of course, faith, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, does say that God has given to us, to everyone, a measure of faith. That's the delivered part. But consider what Paul also told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 2. He said, fight the good fight of faith. If I've been given something, if something has been delivered to me, if it belongs to me, and yet I'm told I better fight for it, then guess what? I better get to fighting. If God has given all of us a measure of faith, and we're told that and we're promised that, and yet Paul, who said that under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, tells Timothy, man, you got to fight the good fight of faith, then that means just because it's been delivered to me, just because I have a measure of faith, that doesn't mean I just need to sit back and say, well, I guess my measure of faith's not working. I need to go after the devil. I need to pursue the enemy and cast him out of everything that belongs to me and fight for my faith. Amen. Oh, y'all are ready tonight. In fact, what does the word say in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 34 and 35? In fact, I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you that. 
David was talking to King Saul in that chapter, and he was stating his confidence in being able to take down Goliath. And he tells King Saul, when a bear or a lion came and took one of the sheep, I went after it. I pursued it, and if it turned on me, I took hold of it. Why? Because the lamb didn't belong to the enemy. It didn't belong to the lion. It didn't belong to the bear. It belonged to David and his household. And he didn't sit back and say, oh, well, I guess I lost that one. I got 99 more. He said, ah, when that bear came and took one, when that lion came and grabbed one of my lambs, I went after it. I chased it down. Talk about Holy Ghost anointing. He chased the bear and the lion down. In case you've never seen a brown bear, Pastor Daniel told me to breathe. Sorry. (laughs) In in case you've never seen a, a brown bear in Alaska run, they're not slow. I don't think in my own natural physical ability I could catch one. And yet David said, I pursued after it, and I took back what was mine. And if the thing dared, if the thing dared to turn on me, I grabbed hold of it and said, oh, no, you don't. I'm taking back what's mine because it doesn't belong to you. And if you're going to pursue God's promises, you got to realize that he's delivered us precious promises, but we got to pursue them. Our salvation is unconditional, meaning there's not anything that we could do to deserve it. There's not anything that we can do to earn it. He offers it freely. It costs him everything. But the blessings and the promises of God are conditional. God's love and his salvation to us, is, is his love is unconditional. But his promises, his blessings, oh, they're conditional. And we have to learn how to pursue it. That's what fighting the good fight is all about. That's contending for what we've been given. That's pursuing what is made available to us so that we can take hold of it. Amen? Oh, and joy. Don't forget about joy. We have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But can I tell you that Psalm 1611 says, In his presence there is fullness of joy. And the enemy is going to do everything he can to keep you out of God's presence. He's going to bring every obstacle. He's going to cause everything to break down. He's going to cause everything to go wrong. You're going to get texts. You're going to get phone calls. You and the wife, you and the husband, uh, if you're married, before you come to service, before you enter into the house of the Lord, you can bet there's going to be an onslaught from hell to try to keep you out of God's presence. Because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. But we have to pursue it. (laughs) Now, we got to get to the text tonight. Holy Spirit, come tonight in power and help me. I heard the Holy Spirit say in my spirit that God is wanting to take us on a journey. And this journey is into the realm of the supernatural and the miraculous. See, if we're willing to... If we're willing to fight for the fullness, like Pastor Daniel preached Wednesday, if we're willing to put on the boxing gloves and and pick up the Word of God and learn to use the Word of God and go after the enemy and take off his head and cut up every demon that comes our way so that we can experience the fullness of God, then then God's going to say, okay, I'll partner with you in that because I want to take you into a realm, a place you've never been before. A, a realm of supernatural, the supernatural and the miraculous. I also heard the Holy Spirit say that on this journey, we can't allow ourselves to get distracted. 
We can't look to the left or the right. We can't allow our attention to be drawn aside or to be taken off the prize. We're on a journey. It's a journey into the miraculous. I didn't say a journey to miracles because if we're going to step into the supernatural, if we're going to step into the miraculous, we're going to see miracles. But if all you're looking for is miracles, you're looking for the wrong thing. If your faith in God is in what he does, your faith is misplaced. Because what happens when God doesn't do it the way you and I think he should do he should do, he should have done it? What happens when the exact opposite of what we want is what happens? Then where's our faith? Because if our faith is in what he does, then all of a sudden we have a problem. But if our faith is in his character, if our faith is in his holiness, if our faith is in the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and the person of the Holy Spirit, then our faith cannot be shaken, and we can contend with the Word of God to fight for what God has promised us. Amen? God's plan has always been the same. When God created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden after creating the world and creating a paradise for them to live in, he told them to subdue the earth and take dominion over it, to be fruitful and to multiply. In other words, to advance God's kingdom. Can I tell you God's plan hasn't changed? He's still calling you and I to subdue this earth to take dominion over it. What does dominion mean? One of the best definitions I can tell you that dominion means is it means taking responsibility for what we've been given. We've been given a precious gospel, the message of Jesus Christ and his love for mankind. <coughs> Pardon me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's been given to us, so we need to take responsibility for what's been given. And if we do, we are walking in dominion. Thank you, my blessed son. <laughs> Just You can hold on to that. Yes, that's how Minister Barry drinks water. All right. In reality, this dominion, this supernatural, this miraculous realm that God is wanting us to, to move into, that he's wanting to take us into, in reality, it's the place that God has prepared for every one of his children. This life is a life of the supernatural. We were created to live a supernatural life. Some of you tonight, you've not heard this before, or you've heard it, but you thought, man, that's for somebody else. That's for Dr. Morocco. That's for Pastor Daniel. That's for, for Bishop Hooks. No, no, no. It's for you and I. We were created and intended by God to live a supernatural life. That's why he gave us the promise of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 11 says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. We were born for the supernatural. All you have to do is look around and see what people are search where people are searching. You know that country song a long time ago, dating myself, looking for love in all the wrong places. People are looking for power in all the wrong places. People are looking for meaning to in, for their life in all the wrong places. They're looking in places that provide what seems like a temporary, immediate fix, and yet it costs so much more than what it, what it promises and gives. We were created, we were destined, we were born to live in the supernatural. But we have to pursue that. 
We can't just sit back and say, well, it's delivered to me. We have to pursue it. There is a battle. It takes effort. It takes determination. Listen, the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard, and it is. But can I tell you, sometimes life is a battle. Life is a fight. Life is a you got to put on your boxing gloves. You got to roll up your sleeves. You got to put on your work boots, and you got to get busy working. Sometimes you got to dig your own well. Sometimes you got to, you, you can't sit back and say, well, I'll watch ETS. Thank the Lord for ETS. I'll watch ETS, and that'll be my daily dose of the Word of God. Listen, if you want the promises of God, if you want the blessings of God, if you want the power of God, if you want the anointing of God, it's found within these pages, and you you got to dig. You got to pick it up. I know we have electronics. I'm preaching from my iPad. I've got an iPhone. I've got an Apple TV. I've got all kind of electronics. But there is something about picking up this book and turning these pages and reading the words of life and allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate it upon my heart and cause change to take place. And that's pursuing his promises. Now, some of y'all are like, what does this have to do with Elijah and Elisha? Well, we're going to talk about that uh, right now. We're going to get on to the, to the text tonight. Whew. In our text, we see that Elisha is pursuing Elijah. And Elijah knows exactly the route of this journey that they're on. Elijah's just not casually by random going to and through these different places. Elisha is actually being tested by Elijah. Elijah knows he's leaving. Elijah knows that he's got an appointment with heaven. He knows that he's one of only two recorded in Scripture that left this world without dying first, which is a plug for my Revelation class. That's why I believe Elijah is one of the two witnesses that we see in the book of Revelation that come and preach to Jerusalem and get killed because it fulfills all of Scripture. Because the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. But we have two from Scripture who didn't die on this side of eternity yet. Elijah and Enoch. So that's, that's my revelation teaching for tonight. That's who I believe are the two witnesses. But anyway, let's get back to this. This, this journey that Elijah took Elisha on, was, it was strategic. It was planned out. It was a process. Elijah knew, as I said, that his time was almost up, and he knew that Elisha was to exceed him. Now, up until this point in the lives of these two men... Elisha had seen the miraculous and the supernatural, but he'd not operated in the miraculous and the supernatural. Up to this point, it had been Elijah that had done the miracles of God. It had been Elijah that God had used to perform supernatural miracles. And Elisha had witnessed them and had seen them, but he hadn't stepped over yet into that realm of the miraculous and the supernatural. Elijah knew that in order for Elisha to succeed, uh, to succeed him, he had to become personally acquainted with the miraculous. The Holy Spirit knows better than anyone that if the church of Jesus Christ is going to accomplish all that God intends, they have to become personally acquainted with him and the miraculous. 
We're not going to accomplish anything, church, and I'm saying we because I'm talking about me too. We're not going to accomplish anything if we try, number one, to do it in our own strength, and number two, to try to do it by some tradition that's always happened. Now, thank God for the traditions of our church. Thank God for the foundations that were laid. Thank God for the precious promises that God made that somebody pursued and took hold of and didn't let go of until they saw the fulfillment of it. It's why we're here today. But can I tell you, the Bible is full of promises of God that in the last days he will do this that he hadn't been doing before, that the latter will be greater than the former, that God is doing a new thing. Will we? Can we not conceive it? Can we not understand it? So I'm here to tell you, if we're going to see God do things, if we're going to fulfill the mission that God's called us to, 500 new people in our church by the end of this year, if we're going to see that happen, we're going to have to make a, a commitment to pursue the promises of God and step over into the miraculous, step over into the supernatural realm that we, are not, we have, may not have been dwelling in before. <laughs> Look at the names of these places that Elijah takes Elisha. They are significant both to Elisha and the process he's going through and significant to you and I. Chapter 2, verse 1, it says that they were in Gilgal. Now, if you don't know much about Gilgal, all you got to do is go to Joshua. <laughs> Let me turn there. See, I love that sound. Joshua chapter 5, verse 9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. What's the significance of Gilgal? It was the place where the reproach of the past life, the reproach of the past sins, the reproach of the identification with the past slavery, it was where that was rolled away from the people. Why? Because God said to Joshua, you guys are about to cross into the promised land. You got people that were born, uh, men that were born while they were wandering in the wilderness, and they haven't been circumcised yet, so you got to circumcise them before you cross over. You got to remove the flesh. You got to get rid of the dead. You got to get rid of the past. You got to get rid of what was holding you back and what was holding you in slavery. So when Elijah, Elijah took Elisha, to get, they were at Gilgal, and he said, by the way, Elisha, God's called me on to another place. Why don't you just stay here at Gilgal? Can you not see it was a test? Was Elisha willing to say, I'm not staying anywhere where the reproach where that is, has to do with something from the past. I'm not staying because I'm pursuing the promise. I'm pursuing what I know God wants to do. I'm pursuing and I'm not going to settle for just staying. Yes, Gilgal was a great victory because it was there that the Lord says the reproach of the past was, was cast off from them. But we've had great victories. Maybe for some of you in this room today was a great victory. But can I tell you that his mercies are not only, it's not only his mercies new every morning, but the victory he wants to give you right now is greater than the victory you had today. And the victory he wants to give you tomorrow is greater than the victory that you had today or last week or last month or four years ago. But if you're camped out at a victory that happened in the past, then you're not pursuing the promise. We're not pursuing the promise that he has for us now. So it's significant that Elijah said to Elisha, why don't you stay here at Gilgal? 
But Elisha said, no, as the Lord lives and as I live, I will not leave you because I'm pursuing what God has. Place number two, chapter two, verse two, Bethel. Now, Bethel means the house of God or the house of bread. Bethel is where Jacob saw the vision of the ladder between heaven and earth and angels ascending and descending on it. He called it the house of God, the gate of heaven. So Bethel means communion and fellowship with God. It speaks of intimacy and relationship with God. And what's wrong with staying there? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing except that there are times that we need to leave the house of God, if you will, in pursuit of the promise because the promise is over there. Harking back to my message, why are you here if I've called you there? Nothing wrong with coming to the house of God. David said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of God. Nothing wrong with saying, Lord, I want to be, I want to be a, a gatekeeper in your temple. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Except when we get so comfortable in the presence of God that we're not relevant to those outside of the presence to even care whether they get in the presence of God, then we have a problem. And Elijah was saying to Elisha, why don't you just stay here in Bethel? It's the house of God, the house of bread, the place of communion. Just hang out with God, stay here because God's called me on. And Elisha was saying, look, if God's called you on, then he's called me on because I'm pursuing the promise that is mine. Chapter 2, verse 4, Jericho. Interesting that we're back at Jericho. We already talked about Gilgal in the book of Joshua. Now we're talking about Jericho. Jericho means, lot, there's lots of different definitions or names, but one of them is fragrance. It means sweet fragrance, and it speaks to me as a fragrance of living by faith or overcoming, or, uh, overcoming by faith. Because I don't know about you, but when it rains, when it's going to rain, especially in the south, but even here, when it's going to rain, it, you can go, man, I can just smell the rain's coming. There's something coming. Oh, there's a fra- when, when When my wife wears her, the, her favorite perfume, and she puts it on, although at the hospital, she's like, I don't wear that anymore. We've been married 35 years. I got good memories, okay? She didn't always work at the hospital where she couldn't wear perfume. Um, so, but when she would wear her perfume and put it on in the bedroom and I could smell it, I'd be like, oh, that's sweet. Something's coming. Something's on its way. And when you look at Jericho like that, man, oh, that's a, that's a, I smell faith. Because why? Because the Bible says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. So I oh, I'm at Jericho. Man, there's, there's a fragrance of faith, and God would want me to have faith. God would want me to dwell in a place of faith. And yet Elijah said, stay here, Elisha, in a place of faith where you're surrounded by faith because God's called me on. And Elisha said, no, and as the Lord lives and as I live, I will not leave you or depart from you because I'm pursuing my promise. And that takes him to the River Jordan, chapter 2, verse 6. Now, Jordan, again, has many definitions, but one of them, it means descender. And sometimes people think of the River Jordan as a, a place of potential death or going down or issues or problems, but it means much more than that. If you understand the, the, the significance of the River Jordan through the Bible, it's a, it represents a dividing line. It represents something that separates God's people from where they need to go. It represents 
something that needs to be crossed over. You got, in fact, you know, Hollywood, they think they're smart. Uh, there's so much in our world that, that comes from the Bible. You know, I don't know if you ever watched it. I never did. Not condoning it when I use something as a reference from media. I'm not condoning it whether it's a movie or a TV show. I'm just using it as a reference. But there was a TV show called Crossing Jordan. Because the significance is moving from where you are to something better. Moving from this point in your life, in this point in your walk with God, in this point in the place that you're at, that you know there's something waiting for you on the other side. My promise is there. And the Jordan is a dividing line. I believe that it is the very, that, I believe that is the very line we stand at today in the, as the body of Christ. It's a dividing line between flesh and spirit. So the Jordan represents the place where you either step in to the supernatural or you sink back into the natural and the flesh. Historians say that it was at the Jordan River where the axe head started swimming. It was at the Jordan where Naaman would either die of leprosy or be miraculously healed. It was the Jordan that supernaturally divided as a bunch of barefoot priests bearing the ark of God stepped into the bank, off the banks into the water. And as soon as their feet touched the water, it divided and the people crossed over into the promise of God on the other side on dry land. Jordan is the place where you begin to live a supernatural lifestyle. As I said, Elijah was taking Elisha on a journey to the miraculous. So Elijah hits the Jordan with his mantle and it divides and they crossed over. Some of you tonight, you need to cross over. God's calling our church to cross over. Listen, we've done great things and we've operated in the miraculous. We've seen miracles. We've seen signs and wonders. But in these days, in this time, and what's going on, listen, I'm here to tell you tonight, it's time for the church of Jesus Christ, the blood-bought saints of God, the redeemed, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, it's time for you and I to stand and rise up to what God has called us to and to cross over into a new realm of spiritual, supernatural operation, operating in the miracles. It's time when you hear your Start to say hairdresser or your barber, but maybe you can't even go to those still. I don't know. It's time when you hear your neighbor say, you know, I'm really having a hard time right now. This COVID thing, this job shut down, this stuff that, you know, I'm trying to, I, got, I met a neighbor who's trying to get his house built and he can't get move forward because the trust plants have, have closed down. If you don't know what a truss is, it's something that you build for the roof. The truss plants have closed down, so he's having a hard time finding uh, where he can get trusses. I use that as an example. It's time for you and I, church, to cross over from where we've been of just saying something like, oh, man, that's really bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, this COVID thing's a bum deal. Man, this whole shutdown's really causing people problems. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ, the blood bought, to rise up and say, oh, you need a miracle in your life? Well, here, I, I'm going to, because, say to yourself, because I dwell in the miraculous, I live in the supernatural, I'm going to pray and believe that they're going to get their miracle. They're going to get the, the uh, trusses are going to appear. Oh, some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. But I'm not crazy. The Bible says these signs will follow after those who believe. Anybody believe tonight? These signs will follow after those who believe. They will lay hands 
on the sick and they shall recover. They will cast out demons. They will raise the dead. Not just the apostles, not just some special group of elite people who know the right combination and can say the right words and have the right um, initiation. Everyone who believes, that means you and I, all of you online watching tonight or later date, if we believe it's time for us to step over, to cross over the Jordan into the supernatural where we start seeing people healed of cancer because we laid hands on them, not because they came down here. Oh, we're still going to pray for them if they come down here. But how about you pray for them in line at Fred Meyer? Well, it's, so, it's social distance. Listen. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not advocating rebellion. In fact, I'm going to say it. If the sign says, wear a mask, it's required, then can I tell you as the church, oh, I, I, it just totally changed in here. We have a responsibility to honor. Oh, I have a right. I don't have to wear it. No, you have a responsibility. The same, the same store that says you don't have a shirt on, you don't have shoes on, you can't come in here, and somebody come in without shoes and without a shirt, uh, they'd, be, they'd be ushered right out, and nobody would say a word. But they're saying, we need you to wear a mask. Okay, I didn't want to get on this, and I'm going to get off of it real quick, Holy Spirit. But I'm just simply saying, if we're going to walk in the supernatural, we can believe wearing a mask or not. We can believe that when we walk into Fred Meyer wearing a mask because we honor their request and we show ourselves to be people of honor, that when we walk in and somebody's not feeling good in Fred Meyer, lay hands on them. Put your hand towards them. Speak the words of truth and let the miraculous realm that you live in, that you operate in, that you walk in, let it invade that atmosphere at that moment and watch what happens. Y'all still love me? It's time for the church to cross over. From the natural, the carnal, the flesh-driven life to living in the supernatural, the miraculous life that is made available to you and I. And that's what's happened to Elisha. It was time for some proving. And here, let me, there's two, two real quick points. I'll be done in just a couple of minutes. Two real quick points here. Gilgal was a place of victory, and yet Elisha was like, I'm not staying there. There were sons of prophets at Gilgal. We'll talk about the sons of prophets in just a minute. But there were sons of prophets there. I call that the, the Christian. I'm not even talking about religion. The Christian crowd that is happy and content to stay at this place of former victory. And they're coming out trying to spoil Elisha's day. Don't you know? Aren't you aware that the Lord's going to take your master today? And Elisha's like, absolutely I'm aware. Stop talking. I'm moving on, pursuing my promise. Same thing was true at Bethel. There were sons of the prophets there. They were content to stay there. And we're trying to, again, bum Elisha out. Jericho, same thing. And in fact, when they get to the Jordan, it says that there were 50 sons of the prophets that had been content to not cross over. So, even sometimes... The good, the 
past miracles. And we thank God for the past miracles. The, the, the precious promises that we've already received, as blessed as they are, there is more. There is more for the person that is willing to pursue God's promises until you see every one of them filled. The Bible promises you and I that all God's promises are yes and amen. Some of you have been holding on to promises for a long time. First off, don't quit holding on to those promises. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Somebody's not hearing me. Don't quit. Hold on to those promises, but pursue God at every turn. Every time the doors are open for early morning prayer, be here. If you can't be here, have it on your phone, streaming, but not looking, but streaming so you can hear it while you're driving to work. Every time there's a service, get here if you can. Now, again, I know life happens, things happen. You have a job, honor your job. You have a boss, honor your boss. You have commitments, honor the commitments that you've made. But when at all possible, pursue him, pursue his presence. Spend time, make an altar in your home. Take communion with your family. Dedicate and consecrate your dwelling place because it belongs to you. Just like David said to the bear and the lion and said to Goliath, you uncircumcised Philistine, you come against me with sword and spirit, but spirit, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. You got to take back what's yours and you got to fight for it sometimes. And in doing so, you are pursuing the promises that God has for us. Remember, Jordan is the proving ground. Jordan is where you and I find out if we've been listening to what the Lord has been saying and we've been watching what's been happening and we're not willing to listen and watch anymore, we want to experience Jordan is where you find out if you and I have developed our own personal communion and relationship with the Lord. Jordan is where we find out if we have learned how to walk by faith and not by sight. Jordan is the place of transition. It's where Elijah left and Elisha stepped into his dominion dwelling place. And after they crossed over and Elijah left... It was just Elisha and God. This is the place where we all have to come to because ultimately it comes down and it's about our relationship, your relationship and my relationship with God. He blesses us with people. He blesses us with a spouse. He blesses us with children. He blesses us with a few friends. But when it's all said and done, when we're laying in bed at night or when it's all over and we're standing before him, we won't be standing there with our kids around us and our, our spouse with us. We'll be standing there talking to the Lord. Just you and I, just you and him, just me and him. And that's where Elisha found himself right now. Elisha, Elijah swept up into heaven. Elisha picks up Elijah's mantle, 50 sons of the prophets are watching to see. I said I'd talk about the sons of the prophets a little more. I will. The sons of the prophets had a title. They had a heritage. They were sons of prophets. They had a position. They had a reputation. They had a calling, but they stood at a distance. Chapter 2, verse 7 says, the 50 sons of the prophets at Jordan stood at a distance to watch. They were standing at a distance to watch. Can I tell you that there's a, a bunch of people that are standing at a distance to watch what's going on here? There's a bunch of people that are standing at a distance 
to watch what's going on in your life, to watch what your testimony is, to watch what God's doing in your life, to watch your pursuit of God and his promises. Because they're going to they're watch and then they're going to make some judgments about what happens as you pursue your promise, as you pursue the promises that God has, as you cross over the Jordan, as you cross that dividing line, moving into the supernatural, moving into the miraculous, they're going to they're gonna watch. Saved or not, they're going to watch. Because they're going to, they want to see. They want to see, oh, are they doing that? What reason? They, they're, forgive me if you don't like, if, but that's happens. I'm going to sit back and watch and judge. Even though I'm not supposed to judge, I'm going to sit back. I'm, I'm going to sit back and inspect. I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge. I'm going to inspect. God's calling Elisha's tonight to say what I see in Elijah, what I see in the people, the men and women of God who've gone before, who paid the price. One of, oh, oh yes, Holy Spirit. One of the books in my, one of the classes I'm taking for my master's degree right now is on church history, and I'm reading an amazing book. It's called The Documents of the Early Christian Church, and Pastor Daniel talks a lot about Fox's Book of Martyrs, and that martyrdom is the gift you only give once, and that's true, and he talks about the fact that, that the church was born out of the blood of martyrs. Fox's Book of Martyrs is great to read the stories, but that's what they are. They're the story version of these men and women who gave their life for God. This book I'm reading is the actual letters sent by the, by the Roman leaders to the sheriff or the authorities to go after this Christian, and it details the journey. One of them is Polycarp. Maybe you've heard of him, but he was one of the martyrs. And incidentally, the sheriff who was sent by the Roman Caesar to get him was named Herod, by the way. And Herod details in this letter written back to Rome that when they finally found Polycarp, many of the men were amazed at the advanced age of this man, questioning why we should even be pursuing him. Surely he can't be causing that much trouble. And Polycarp persuaded us to stay with him for the night at the, lo at the inn that we found him. And he, he uh, lavished upon us a great meal and great drink and stood against the wall and prayed for hours for the men, so much so that they were weeping and repenting to God as they heard the prayers of this man that we were after. And finally, when morning came, he had been up all night praying. When morning came, as we took him by procession to the place where he was going to be executed, the sheriff said to him, listen, What's wrong with just saying Caesar is God? What's wrong with just denouncing this Christ? And Polycarp, this is what is written. Polycarp put his shoulders back and said, he's been nothing but faithful to me these 80 and 6 years. How would I dare ever not be faithful back to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And they burned him at the stake. Can I tell you, when you read stuff like that, that ought to inspire you. God, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to pursue your promises. I'm going to pursue the promise of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to settle for past victories. I'm not going to settle for even great places of faith. I'm not going to settle for even a place where I know you show up. I'm going after you wherever that takes me. And if I got to cross over something, if I got to step across the dividing line and leave something behind, I'm willing to do it to pursue your promises. Hallelujah. All right.
I said I was going to finish. The sons of the prophets, in a sense, had settled. They had settled for those things like a title, like a heritage, like a position, like a reputation, like a calling. But they didn't have a crossing over attitude. And it's interesting that Elisha told Elijah, I want a double portion. Now that sounds great, but if you, if you do a little research, the double portion was an inheritance gift given to the firstborn meaning that the firstborn son in a family would receive double of the inheritance over the rest of them. So we've got sons of prophets that aren't asking for a double portion. we got sons of prophets that aren't asking for much. They're content with where they are. But we got one guy named Elisha who says, I'm following, I'm staying with you, Elijah, because I want my promise. And you're asking me what it is. I want a double portion of the Spirit. I want twice the inheritance that you have. little side note, Elijah performed seven miracles. Elisha performed 13 before he, was, before he died, but God wasn't done. Because if, if you read in the Old Testament that there were some Jewish guys being pursued by the enemy, and one of them died, and they came near a cave. It happened to be the cave where Elisha's bones were buried. And because they didn't want to leave their friend out to, to get taken by the enemy, they picked up their friend and they threw him in the cave so they could keep running. And when the dead man's body fell on the grave that had the bones of Elisha, he resurrected and came to life. And scripture was fulfilled because that was miracle number 14. Exactly double what Elijah had done. And now the sons of prophets are watching, looking to see. What are they looking to see? To see if Elijah was qualified to wear Elijah's mantle. That mantle represents Elijah's relationship with God. It represented his supernatural life. Now Elijah raised the dead. He called fire down from heaven. He caused the rain to stop for three and a half years. And then he turned the faucet back on by praying like God said. Elijah called fire down from heaven upon the kings, uh, the followers of Baal, Elijah parted the Jordan. Elijah went to heaven in a whirlwind of fire. Now the journey has reached its destination. Elisha could have turned around at any point. Elisha could have stayed settled down at Gilgal, Bethel, or Jericho. Those were all good places, but he wanted more. He wanted more. Now Elisha has the mantle, but does he have the power? The sons of prophets watch from a distance. What is Elisha going to do? I'm of the persuasion that Elisha could have walked on that day and left the mantle on the ground, but he picked up the mantle and went back to the same river he had just walked across, which had closed back behind them, and he struck it with Elijah's mantle. And he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah and Israel? And when he did, he graduated into the supernatural. See, listen, we can ask for things. We can claim promises. We can pursue after them. But when God delivers them, then it's time for action. Elisha didn't graduate into the supernatural till he picked up the mantle knowing that he had a crowd watching and went to the Jordan and said, God, you promised. I asked for, and it looks like you've delivered. So now they're watching to see if I've got the stuff. I know you've got the stuff, God. So God, show up and show off. If you've never prayed that, you ought to pray that sometime. God, show up in my home and show off so my rebellious teenagers because I know none of y'all have 
any of those in this house so that my rebellious teenagers, their mouth and their mind is silenced when it comes to this God thing because he shows up in my house and he shows off in my house and they can't deny it. Or a spouse, your husband or your wife, maybe not serving the Lord. God, show up and show off in their life. Show up and show off in our home. Show up and show off in our finances. Show up and show off in our health. Show up and show off in all that you've promised. That's exactly what Elisha was saying. And God showed up and God showed off. And he struck the water and it parted and he walked on. He walked on. And you know what the ones that were watching said? Surely. She gets mentioned a lot in the Bible. Some of you will get that later. My wife's like, my wife's like, stop. Okay. The 50 sons of the prophets that were watching said, surely the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they said, teach us. Show us. You got the stuff. We can see it. I think, I think some of them, listen, if you can give me the liberty, I think some of them were like, man, why didn't I ask for that? Man, why did I stay at Gilgal? Man, why did I stay on this side of the Jordan? I really can do that. I really can walk in that. I really can have that. And I think that's where some of you guys are tonight. You've seen miracles. You've seen people operate in the miraculous. Minister Micah or whoever, can somebody can come to the keyboard. That would be amazing. And it's okay. Hum. Somebody hum then. It's, it's, it's okay. Um, <laughs> some of y'all are taking me literal. That's fine. Some of y'all tonight are those that have been watching. Is this real? Is this stuff really real? Is there really a supernatural realm I can live in? I haven't seen it yet. I've been holding on to promises, and I haven't seen them come to pass, and I'm about to give up. Again, I tell you, don't give up. Many times we quit the moment before. Uh, we're, just, we're about to turn the corner. We're about to cross up on the ridge and step into it, and we quit and we give up. And I'm telling you, don't. And keep a determination in your heart that you can walk in the supernatural. You can walk in the miraculous. That God does want to use you that way. It isn't just for Pastor Daniel. It isn't just for Pastor Karen. It isn't even just for me. It's for all of us. All believers. Hmm. As part of this house, there is a spirit of revival and the power and the presence of God that is available to rest on each one of us. That's the journey we're on, church. When the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I, I, I've, got, I've got the church, I've got you. Listen, I'm transparent. I always have been, KSM students. First year, you'll get to know that real well. All those that are second year and have graduated, they already know it. I'm transparent. I'm 55 years old. I've been married 35 years. I feel like I just, I feel like I'm just starting to get it. It's available. The power of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit for us to be saturated in his presence. It is available that when we step into a, a situation like the Jordan, where we gotta make a decision 
and nothing happens when we're standing there on the banks going, man, I sure wish that would part. I sure wish there was a way. Maybe somebody ought to build a bridge. Maybe somebody ought to figure out a way around it. And God's saying, why don't you take a step of faith and put your feet in the water, not knowing whether they're gonna part or not, except I'm telling you that if you will, it will happen. I'm seeing God do things in my life now that I, I, I had to, I repented to somebody. I said, I feel like I'm, huh, I feel like I'm 25 years behind in some areas of my life. And I'm like, why did it take me so long? Why is it taking me so long? It's because sometimes we get comfortable. We get comfortable in past victories. We get comfortable in past accomplishments. Oh, I did that 10 years ago, and wow, it was a good thing. And people, every once in a while, people still talk about that thing that happened 10 years ago, and that's good enough for me. And can I tell you, that might be good enough for you, but there's a world dying and going to hell that needs somebody to rise up and say, 10 years ago or not, I'm stepping into something brand new now. I'm stepping into some new supernatural, miraculous realm that's going to see this world changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. I'm done. Pursue your promise, church. Oh, pursue your promise, church. I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Karen. I, when we're done, or Pastor Gil, whoever's coming next, both of you, I think, or no. I'm going to turn it back over to them. One of the first things that, that, that you have to know is that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. That's the greatest promise to pursue. And maybe for some of you tonight, you've not even started on that pursuit. I wanna give you that opportunity tonight. If you're here tonight and you've not begun to pursue the Lord as your Savior, we wanna change that. If you're online and you're feeling something right now because you would be honest to say my life's not where it needs to be with Jesus. If you're here tonight in this room and you're feeling something that's like this little voice that's saying that's you. That's the Holy Spirit. Don't ignore him. Because it's not condemnation. It's a call to repent and repentance is freedom. Repentance is freedom. Listen, if, if you've got sins in your life that you need to confess to the Lord, if you've got a stronghold that you're battling with, if you know you're supposed to have crossed over and you haven't done it, because as my son can tell you, the Bible says to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, that's sin, then the Holy Spirit wants to set you free from that tonight by repentance. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this place tonight, if you would. Thank you for your time and attentiveness, but we, we want to take care of this. If you're here tonight by the show of a, a raised hand in just a moment, you'd say, I need to repent of sin. I need to make something right. I've not been doing something that I know I should. I'm supposed to cross over and I haven't done it yet. 
and I need forgiveness right now and I want to repent of my sins, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time, or I want to rededicate my life, if you're in, or you just want to be assured of your salvation, we'll have you pray with us in just a minute. But if you're in those categories, you need to repent tonight. You need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Online, if it's you, you do the same. If you need to rededicate your life, would you just raise your hand all across this place? I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands are going up. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Come on, stand to your feet right now. Everybody repeat this prayer. Those of you that raised your hand, if you repeat what I say, it's not because they're my words. I'm just guiding you. Just like Elijah guided Elisha. But you got to determine in your heart. If you mean what you're proud to pray, then you're forgiven. Repentance is applied. Forgiveness is applied. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Repeat this after me. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins. I am really sorry for my sins. Forgive me tonight. Make me brand new. Wash me and cleanse me by your precious blood so that I know, that I know, that I know that I am yours and you are mine. And I will live for you and with you all the days of my life. In your great name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.